Okay, before we jump in, uh, I need you to know that I had a little uh, audio glitch with my microphone. So I have voiced over some of the questions that you'll hear from uh, from me to Scott, but his responses are all very clear, which is the most important thing anyway. So you're going to enjoy this podcast. Uh, let's go check it out right now. Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little and you're listening to Crossing the Line, my podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their heart and then leading from their heart to leading with their head. Today on the show, I've got a great example of that. I'm having a conversation with an incredible leader. His name is Scott Dawson. Scott's an author, he's a husband, he's a father, and he is a preacher, actually an evangelist from Birmingham, Alabama. He uh, is the president and founder of the Scott Dawson Evangelistic Association, but so much more than that. Scott has built uh, an organization on leadership principles that has allowed him to develop an international organization that reaches literally thousands of people uh, a year. He also partners with the Major Baseball League and uh, and, and people like Hobby Lobby and, and other organizations to to hold conferences and to and to invest in the lives of others. He conducts citywide outreach events, as, as you would expect. But more importantly, even than all that, I think, Scott understands how to lead people. I've watched him for years. It's amazing how he how he leads with his head and his heart, even so much so that recently, and you got to hear about this, he ran for governor for the state of Alabama. So you got to hear about it. It's, a, it's an amazing journey. Uh, but I'm excited about this. If you if you listen to today's podcast and you're not inspired or, or just encouraged, then um, I think you were probably multitasking and not listening to the podcast because you're going to enjoy this. Let's jump into this conversation with Scott Dawson right now. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be fun because uh, here on Crossing the Line, I have my friend, my buddy I've known for so, so long. He's, a, he's an amazing leader. He, he's, he has incredible vision. He is, okay, I'm going to go ahead because you heard on the introduction, yes, he's a preacher, but he's, but let me tell you, don't, don't count that. Don't, don't, don't check that box if I'm going to tune out because he happens to be, what, what he is, he's a leader who happens to be a preacher, and I believe that. I mean, yes, he's called, and, and God knew that, but some people can preach, and that's great, but they can't lead. This guy has built an organization around strong, solid leadership, and I've watched him. I've watched him grow through the years. Um, I've watched him develop people and pour into people and grow organizations. Um, he's just amazing. Scott Dawson, welcome to Crossing the Line. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. It is a privilege to be with you, Larry. Thanks for having me. Uh, as you know, you have been a friend for many years. I respect the fire out of you and love mm. what's going on with you guys. Mm. Well, I I'll tell you what, we've had some fun together through the years, and I hope we're going to have some more fun uh, as we as we go into the future in this next season of our life, right? Yes. Uh, I I want the folks to get to know you, though, Scott. I, I, they need to, to hear about you and how you cross that line from, from leading with your head but also leading with your heart. But I, I want to just take some time and go back to, to who Scott Dawson was. Not who he is, but who he was. And I want you to go back to, to your childhood, maybe like eight years old, you know, and, and describe for me your home. What was it like in your home uh, as, as an eight-year-old? Yeah, I, I think uh, for, for me, I grew up in a home, loving home, great home, blue collar, 
My dad was a truck driver. My mom was a daycare worker. So I was a, one of those latchkey kids back before it got cool because they were doing it out of necessity. And I was one of those children that were probably overlooked uh, most of the time until I got to the point where my weight became such a problem. You couldn't overlook me. You could not sidestep Scott Dawson. Uh, I walked through the doors as a freshman at Inslee High School here in Birmingham. I was 5'6", but I weighed over 270 pounds. So uh, it was one of those where I had, I had, a, I had a problem. I wasn't um, eating to live. I was living to eat. That's how I dealt with stress. It's how I dealt, you know, it's, for what you do for a living, you know this. That's that mm-hmm. trigger factor. Anytime mm-hmm. I would go to that, uh, to, to that escape to deal with any problems I had, um, I, I had a speech impediment. Um, I wore very thick glasses. So I was the one that was usually either made fun of um, or left out. So I understand if, if this is a leadership podcast, you go, how mm. in the world did this guy get here? And I want to just challenge the leaders right now to look beyond what you can see and see the potential in people. See the ones that are around that are younger, that haven't had the experiences you've had. They've not wow. been where you are, yeah. but they're, they've got that raw. I think everyone can be a leader if people would just build into them. I remember the day um, where I, I kind of was bought into leadership, and it was through the, the guru, John Maxwell, when I went, yeah. I was invited to go to a conference, didn't know what I was getting into. I was just a, um, a college kid as a freshman. And when I went and I heard that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Mm -hmm. And if you're leading and no one's following you, you're just taking a walk. I went, oh my goodness. And from that day, uh, I started sharpening those, those inner skills to learn how to lead people. You balance that with Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, That book outside of, and you've already told people I'm a preacher, outside the Bible, uh, how to win friends and influence people shaped who I am today because wow. it gave me the understanding. People don't care about what you want. People care about what they want. Mm. And a real leader will see down the road and see how you can develop a win-win situation where both of you can get what you want. Um, and so uh, then I kind of picked up those little phrases like life's like a tennis match. And what you want, everybody says, oh, you want to win. Well, deeper than that, what you want to do is get the ball over the net. If you've ever Mm. played tennis with someone who couldn't get the ball over the net, it's not very fun. I mean, you last maybe 30 minutes and then you're finding an excuse to get out of there. Because the goal of tennis, yes, it's to win, but it's to get the ball over the net. So as a leader, I've got to come to the table every time figuring out what can I bring to the table to enhance your life, to Mm. improve your life. Because as I'm looking at you, I'm looking further down the road to say, how in the world is it, is it going to be possible for us both to get what we're both desiring? Well, certainly Scott has a, a, a great take on, on his dilemma, on, on, his, on his weight issue as, as a child. And certainly, you know, we, we know that, that was, um, he, he was being marginalized. And we hear a lot about being marginalized. And so I ask him. To, to just expound on that a little bit we, we took him back to that to that time and uh, he was he was quite transparent and vulnerable listen to what he says about how he handled being uh, marginalized if you will well you learn and escape uh, mm-hmm. not only was it food 
That's how I dealt with it privately. Publicly, how you deal with it was yeah. you better have a good sense of humor. You, you better be able to handle yourself in a crowd. Mm. And I think that has built into me today to be able to stand before uh, crowds every, you know, every chance I can get in, a, in the land of COVID. But back then, it was being able to have a quick wit to be able to turn the, um, um, the phrase away from myself. You know, they always used to say a wounded dog will bite first. Mm. So I had to be careful because Mm. if you're not careful, you'll just turn it towards someone else and deflect the pain and try to get someone else into the limelight. That's right. And probably several times in high school, I hurt some feelings, but I tried my best to overcome that with maturity to go. I've, I've got to be able to diffuse the situation and then had to work on myself. Um, you know, you can be addicted to a lot of things and get away with it. But if you're like I was addicted to buffets and desserts and food, mm-hmm. you can't get away with that. You can turn the corner and people go, yeah, he's, he's on the rail or he's off the rails. And so I had to discipline myself. I, have to, I had to learn um, uh, and I still battle it today. I mean, I, I wish some people don't have that battle, but here's the one thing we can all relate to. We all have battles. Every that's one right. of us that's listening, we all have battles. Yeah, that's right. So you got you you've, you've got to discipline yourself, take care of it. Um, and I, I remember, uh, if I could just share this story, sure. I, I was I, I was overweight. Um, I had lost weight in high school, gained it back, Larry, and even more in late years of college because I was wow. traveling so much, and I was in seminary. And uh, I was at a place where Dr. Billy Graham was speaking and I was sitting at a table and Dr. Graham's assistant was sitting right across from me. And I remember I was about to put mashed potatoes in my mouth. And he said, Scott, God wants to do something in your life, but he can't because you're not disciplined. And I remember looking at my mentor, Louis Drummond, and, and Dr. Drummond just dropped his head and he said, man, I've been trying to tell you that for three years. And I immediately went home, told my wife, look, it's one thing if I don't get into the arena of influence, but if there's, there's doors open for me to get there and I can't get through the door, then that's my problem. And so at Mm. that moment, it clicked on me and I just became super disciplined, uh, lost about 80 pounds. And um, since then, it's just a you know, it's a daily regimen of just um, being disciplined first. The The idea of discipline in our society is almost ancient. Right. But if you will fight the battles that you have to fight today and fight them again tomorrow, eventually you'll overcome them and be able to focus on the future. So basically, Scott's telling us, look, I chose not to become a victim. I chose to have discipline and and then I chose then I chose to fight. Uh, what, what what great tips for us as as leaders? Uh, refuse to be a victim. Uh, refuse and and even if you're marginalized, and certainly there are uh, those who are, and and it's legitimate. But legitimately refuse to be a victim and and to have discipline. Choose to have discipline and choose to fight. Uh, so I asked Scott another question. I said, Scott, uh, how? How do you sustain that? I mean, it's great to have that and, and to be inspired to, to go after it, but how do you sustain those kinds of things? Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just don't, where you hate to lose. Mm. I, think, I, think, I think you mm. just got to get to the point where you just hate to lose. 
You're just not going to, losing is not an option. It's, it's one thing if I die uh, without winning, but so help me, I could die without losing. So I'm just not going to lose. Wow, that sounds a lot like tenacity to me. Uh, I'm just not going to lose. I, I, you know, I, I could die without losing, and that would be fine. I, I love that that tenacity in, in Scott. And uh, I asked him then to, to kind of walk us through, and, and still trying to learn about him, I asked him to walk us through, Scott, what was it like for you uh, in college? What, what was the college age Scott Dawson like? Yeah, you know, I was, again, being raised in a very blue-collar family, great upbringing, but there wasn't a lot of finances. So I went to a private university. The only way I got in was by the skin of my teeth. So there was no scholarships available. Um, in fact, I, I remember uh, an English teacher my senior year, she, she basically changed my life because she uh, helped me to learn how to speak. Because mm. I had a lot of street um, language, I had a lot of bad habits, and she forced me through not only speaking, but writing. Um, and, and it's a principle we know, you speak for a moment, you write for a lifetime. And so that mm. kind of got me into college. And so when I was in college, I was uh, speaking a lot. Uh, during that time, there was a movement going across our country for churches that allowed young people to come in and speak called Youth Revivals. I was speaking in high schools. Uh, I tell anyone, if you want to know your leadership level, go stand before a group of high schoolers and see if you can keep their attention for 20 that, minutes. I, right. I don't care if you can do it in the boardroom. I don't care if it's in front of your employees. <laughs> go do it in front of a bunch of high schoolers and see how big of a leader you are. Anyway, so uh, true. <laughs> you know that. So and then I was working 40 hours a week at, at a supermarket. Um, just to just to be able to pay for my college. So again, you just don't want to lose. You find out how you've, you, you've got to do it. And I remember it was a, one of the principles from Maxwell. He, and it, I, I actually echoed it this morning. So it's still relevant in my life. Mm. You're either going to pay today and play tomorrow, or you're going to play today and pay tomorrow. And that just constantly goes wow. through my mind every day of that schedule of what am I going to do? Am I going to pay it today and be disciplined, be focused and get it done? Or am I going to play today and, and then be one day short of where I want to be tomorrow? So I want you to, to pay attention here because here comes what I see over and over again with all successful leaders. And I asked Scott about it. I said, I said Scott, it, it sounds like what you're saying is that in order to, to really accomplish what you want to in life and leadership, you have to have a strong work ethic. And we hear it all the time in great leaders. Listen to what he has to say. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, I used to say, and we'll talk about this later, but there's the statement, you know, entitlements are bad until you start getting them. And then when you get them, you start relying on the entitlement. That's right. So what you got to right. understand is in life, pure and simple, there are no entitlements. It, it, it is right. there for you today. And honestly, I think for most successful people that I've interviewed and I've been with, uh, they really don't care for entitlements. That If they get that's them, right. That's fine, but they're not living for them. And what's scary in today's culture is everybody's looking for entitlements. <laughs> looking for entitlements. It, it does seem that uh, right now we're in a culture of entitlements, doesn't it? I don't know. Listen to Scott talk about uh, his faith. He is a man of faith. 
So I want you to hear, the podcast just wouldn't be complete unless you heard the, the story of his call. And uh, so l- listen to this uh, as Scott tells us about uh, how he became a preacher and when that happened. Yeah, it actually happened in high school. I, I was happy-go-lucky. I was checking off the boxes. I had made a decision, uh, if you will. But uh, in high school, I just started getting passionate about telling people about what Christ had done in my life. And so with that, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a decision that I was going to be what I am today, an evangelist. It was just I was just passionate about my faith. And then people started having me speak. And when the first time I spoke, you know, I, I spoke for 11 minutes and went from the, I went from Genesis to Revelation twice. I mean, that was all I had. And I mean, you know, but people responded. And then all of a sudden people started talking about this guy named Billy Graham. And I'd never heard of him because I was on the streets. I was in the inner city, found out what he did. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, but here's the principle. You can't do what someone's doing unless you do what they did. And mm. so I had to go back and discover that of doing what he had already done. And that's to be faithful. Um, if you're if you're looking to be a CEO, you can't be a CEO until you do what that CEO's already done. And that's worked his or herself up all the all the way through the ladder. Mm. So uh, for me, when it just all developed, um, I still don't know where I'm going to end up. I just know I, I've got thoughts, I've got visions, and even though there's a difference between being content and being satisfied, I will always be content with where I am, but I'm never satisfied. Mm. Uh, I pray I never become satisfied. I think the day a leader becomes satisfied is the day leadership dies in the leader. So, so listen now as Scott talks to us about how, you know, not only does faith play a big part, but he has an entrepreneurial spirit in him and around this leadership thing. And, and he has started a, an incredible organization. So, and it's been very successful and continues to be successful uh, throughout the years to this day. Listen as he talks to us about that. Yeah, I, I will say the one trait I found about truly successful leaders is they're willing to share. I'll say that about you. I mean, there's never been a time when we've reached out where you weren't willing to help. And I'm thankful to Mm -hmm. have had the opportunity to be around truly successful leaders my entire life. They may have not been well known as others, but they were always truly successful. The one thing you know about a truly successful leader is there's really one agenda, and that's to do what's best. Mm -hmm. They they want what is Mm -hmm. best. And so... um, these guys started teaching me how to read a balance sheet, how to, how to, you know, <laughs> cash flow and things that in seminary you never really learned. I mean, right. you know, I knew how to read a Bible, but I was like, man, how do I lead people? That's something you have to go out and, and really um, formulize. So I, I knew I wasn't called to be a pastor. I, I, I would love to be a pastor if God had called me, but he didn't call me to be a pastor. I, didn't want, don't think he called me to be a missionary. Maybe I hardened my heart on that, but I was like, I, you know, mm-hmm. that's just does not excite me. So I felt like, what has, what is there an opportunity? Where is there an itch 
that has not been scratched. And I think that's what the mindset of an entrepreneur is. What is, what is the solution that has not been found for this problem? Where is there the opportunity that no one seems to be taking? And that has served well. We started doing uh, retreats. You know, we, we started doing retreats before conferences were really popular. Um, And I'll just tell you this, my first one, Everybody in the world told me they were coming to the conference. Every youth pastor I think I talked to said, we're coming to that conference. I thought I was going to have a thousand. I had 89 because uh, that's the reason we make youth pastors pay before they come. Now. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so true. <laughs> so we yeah. built, we built the conferences. Uh, I had a pastor tell me famous pastors say, there's no way you're going to be able to grow this conference. We're going to do it down on the beach in the middle of winter uh, he said, it's never happened before. It's not going to, it's not going to be successful again. I don't want to lose. So what I did was a year and a half, I started meeting with youth pastors all along the Gulf coast. And I'd go, would you help me for this one year? And if they would say, yes, I would call literally, I would call them every other week to make sure that they were following through with what they said. And so at a conference that was told was never going to be successful. We, in 1990, we had a thousand in attendance and turned away 700 because we didn't have room for it. Wow. And it's been growing, you know, last year we had 18,000 at our student conference in January. Um, and so th- to me though, I learned more uh, at that conference with 89 than I did last year with 18,000 mm-hmm. because I had to do everything. And if you've got right. a young leader listening to us or watching right now, and you want it right now, I mean, you want the 18, you want to have the, 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 the crystal uh, office and, and just the room in the corner. Can I just tell you, if you will learn now, the things you're learning now are going to pave the way for you mm. to be able to get through the decisions uh, mm. later. So now things are going to take a turn. And Scott's about to talk to us about his run to become the governor of the state of Alabama. Uh, It's highly unlikely that he would ever run for anything like this, but he did. And the experiences that he had and the things he learned are really interesting. I think you're going to want to hear this. Yeah, it was one of those things where I promised people I I wasn't drinking. I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, again, that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, working with Major League Baseball, uh, knowing how to conduct yourself in the boardrooms, uh, building a a board that directs our ministry. I've been with leaders, and I I know when there's a leadership void. And in our state, the state of Alabama, so if you're elsewhere, um, uh, you can just look at your own state. But when I jumped in to run for governor, first of all, I didn't want to run. I just knew we had to have some leadership. We had had our governor removed from office. We'd had our chief justice removed from office. Speaker of the House indicted on corruption, a backroom deal with our attorney general. And so at one point, there were only three of our constitutional officers elected to their position. Everyone else had been either removed or reappointed. And something had to change. Mm. And evil wins when good men and women remain silent. So That's right. I started trying to find somebody. I became part of a group and every person we spoke with said, nah, I'm not the one. And they kept looking back at me and going, well, I believe you're the one. And I was like, oh my goodness, no way. But through, through time and through meditation and, and study, it became so overwhelming to me that I went, all right, when you don't want to do something, 
but it's there. Mm. Let's let's do it. And I promise you, there is um, there is there is a statement written in both my wife and mine journal. And I, I think journaling is very important when you're walking through life change. Mm. Um, it, it, it's the statement: obedience demands no explanation. And I don't know if that's because we're parents and we, we all want obedient children. And I've learned there's a difference between being obedient and being complicit. A lot of us are complicit when we understand, okay, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Obedience is I'll do it no matter what. Mm -hmm. And through that, uh, everybody goes, how in the world can a, can, can a preacher let, I'll go one step further than a preacher an evangelist. How in the world is that (laughs) going to compare um, but it was amazing. The people I met, um, walking into a room as being a leader, but also a communicator, man, you can run circles around people that are just talking about policy because, uh, people really get bogged down in policy. But when you're, when you're the leader, you're talking about principles, you're mm. talking about, uh, the future and being mm. able to craft a picture where people can see it in their minds. Mm. Uh, we enjoyed it. I tell everyone, um, every room, and this is documented. We, we won everyone, but one straw poll. We, we were, we were winning every straw poll. We won their hearts. But the problem is when they went and watched the commercials, we were less than 10% funded uh, than the others with their commercials. And so you can win someone's heart, but the real battles for the mind. And I think that's wow. for every marketing company out there. You, you can win the heart, but if you really want to take your market share, you got to win the mind. So Scott ran a great campaign. It was a campaign of integrity and he, he really did a super job and we were really proud of him and proud to support him. But I asked him to give us some takeaways. What, what did you learn from this whole process of, of running this campaign? Uh, one, trust your gut. I think mm. that's, um, if, if I were to go back to the campaign now, there were, there were two times and we don't have to get into specifics, but two times that I knew what I needed to do, but I, I didn't trust my gut. I trusted um, either another person or I trusted uh, another set of, of circumstances and I should have just trusted my gut. So uh, when, you're in, when you're in stressful situations, there's always that battle between, be, between what you know you need to do and what others are telling you. Mm. So um, not only trust your gut, um, but, but I would say, uh, don't, don't get bogged down in the weeds. Mm. Um, if you're, you know, I was very fortunate when we first got into it, I networked to a guy named Mike Huckabee who had run for, he was governor of Arkansas. He was a presidential candidate. He'd been where I, there was no way, uh, I could have known what he knew, but he gave me some great advice. He said, um, You've got to wake up every day going, if I lose, I will do this again the next time. Not saying you will, wow. but you cannot go into this thinking, I'm just going to check this thing out. Because in the arena of politics, they do not shoot to wound. They shoot to kill. And you've got to make sure that every day you're all in. You cannot be half-hearted about it. So I had to leave my position. I had to leave everything that I knew in, in comfort and get out of that into a, 
and it wasn't when I was young. It wasn't when I didn't have anything. Right. This is, this is where I had worked and right. seen blessings where I had it like I liked it. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was good, but uh, I just yeah. had to trust it because I knew what I had to do. So after this this campaign, I asked Scott, Scott, do you have any regrets from that whole thing? Uh, you know, probably more lessons learned than regrets. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. So I feel like I'm seasoned now. Um, we got out of the gate really early. We had signs. We had the best sign campaign in the history of Alabama politics. Uh, somebody told me every four miles on the interstate, you can still yeah. find them. And if you, fi- <laughs> if you find them, if you want to take them down, I'd appreciate it because sure. I get calls still almost every week. Uh, <laughs> You know, so and I, I would say probably for me, um, the the lesson that if I were to go back and do it again and everybody goes, are you going to run again? I always say never say never. Um, but I, I do believe this wholeheartedly. If you don't have a path, why waste your time? Because if mm. there's no path. There's really no opportunities. And uh, at this particular moment, it could all change tomorrow, but at this particular moment, I don't see a path. And and people who play politics, uh, yeah. isn't that what we're all disgusted about? Isn't it yeah. time for us to put politics aside and leadership? But there's a difference. Uh, you know, uh, I used to say politics is about the theory of compromise leadership is the theory of excellence. Mm. So how can you bring those two together when one's trying to constantly get you to compromise and one's trying to push you towards excellence? It's an interesting dynamic that I'm not sure if we've really fully developed in our society. Wow. Ponder that for a minute. The difference between true leadership and and politics, um, the difference between leading with excellence and and having to compromise. Is, Is it possible to do both? What a great discussion, uh, maybe for another podcast. Uh, we, we need to think about that. So as we begin to wrap this thing up, I ask, I ask Scott, and hey, if you want to take some notes, now would be a great time because I said, Scott, give us some takeaways from uh, some things, if you will, that, that leaders could take away from this conversation, especially aspiring leaders, those young leaders who are trying to figure it out. She's trying to think about where she's headed. He's trying to, to figure out his leadership. And, and I said, Scott, what are some things you would tell these aspiring young leaders of today? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of proverbs. One, it's an Indian proverb, but it says, dig your wells before you're thirsty. Because mm-hmm. if you wait till you're thirsty to dig your wells, you're going to end up star, uh, uh, dying of thirst. That's about relationships. Build relationships now. Don't wait until there's a crisis. Don't wait until you need something. Constantly... Mm-hmm meet people. I'll, I'll say when my daughter went to Samford, uh, her freshman year, I challenged her. I said, by the end of this year, I want you to know every person's name on campus, every person's name on campus. She didn't quite gain that, but she came so close that she just rose in the level of leadership. And she's SGA president now, um, because people want relationships. We're a very, we're a very transactional society. Everything's based on transaction. But if you really want to stand out from the crowd, become relational. Mm. If you have a relationship with a person, it, it, it brings a different dynamic uh, to the outcome of the situation. 
The second thing is uh, an Irish proverb is the best thing you can do for your friends is introduce them to your friends. Mm, so great. not only is it about relationships, it's about not hoarding. Um, most people want to keep what's theirs and they feel like leadership is somehow confined or constricted to just what I can get. Um, Larry, I've learned a long time ago, uh, I cannot do every good idea I come up with. In fact, if I try to do every good idea I come up with, it's going to deter me to get where I'm really called to be. That's great. dish it off, man, share it with friends, share it mm-hmm. around a cup of coffee, allow other people to, 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 to do what really you're not in ca- capable or equipped or passionate about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, dig your wells before you're thirsty. Uh, best thing you can do for your friends is, is introducing to your friends. Um, let be controlled by your muscle, not your pulse. Um, your muscle is consistent. Your pulse is emotional. It will go up and down based on crisis situations. Mm. So you better have some type of authority in your life. You better have some way of judging how am I going to get through this storm or this crisis moment? Uh, be controlled by muscle, not your pulse. Um, and I would say probably the, the final thing for someone like me who has the gift of gab, who tries to get by on their personality instead of really (laughs) studying as much as they really need to study is um, tell people what you're going to do and then do it. Mm. Uh, I got so tired. In fact, I had a friend of mine sit me down and tell me just that because I was offering people the moon and not being able to deliver anything to them. And he said, I just wish you'd live by this principle. Tell me what you're going to do and then do it. Now, I've kind of expounded on that and say, if I'm telling people what I'm going to do and I don't do it, I'm a liar. Mm. But, if, but if I do something that I did not tell people who, re, who rely on me that I'm doing it, then I'm rogue, then I'm a rebel. So I have to, I have to live by both. I have to tell you what I'm going to do and then I'm going to do it. It's not enough to do it without telling people wow, because no one can follow you. Uh, If I could give you a verse, Habakkuk chapter two says, write the vision, make it plain so people can run with it. If you're, if you're a CEO, if you're, if you're trying to get ahead, let me tell you, this is your perfect formula, right? It's not enough to have a good thought. Everyone who's ever had a hot shower had a good thought. Get (laughs) out of the shower, write it down, write the vision, make it plain, make it where people can understand what you're going to do. Even though Mm. this may not be where you end up right now as a 25 year old, write down what, what you're going to do. And then you'll be amazed at how many people come along beside you and literally carry you to where you need to be. Scott Nelson, you've just given us an incredible call to action. And no matter at, at what age of leadership, thank you for these incredible tips to, to live by. Uh, amazing wisdom uh, you have been given. Uh, you've been blessed with that. You've been given vision, insight, leadership. I just uh, I thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing with us how you consistently cross the line from your head to your heart. Uh, such a visionary, such a leader, such a man of faith and, and a man of purpose. Uh, thank you for speaking into the lives of, of leaders uh, today. I sure do appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for having me. You're, you are a leader. 
Well, there you have it. Uh, what a fun interview with Scott Dawson, being open and, and vulnerable, talking about uh, his his struggle with weight and, and how he overcame and how he chose not to be a victim but to have discipline and to fight, uh, how he encouraged us to uh, to continue and sustain that by just saying, I, I don't want to lose. I, I want to. I could die without ever losing, and what, what a great inspiration. And then uh, to walk us through his journey of of being called as a man of faith, and then also, though, realizing that in order to do the best he could do in that, he had to have that entrepreneurial spirit and the lessons he learned along the way to build this massive organization that he has, and, and finally wrapping up with some incredible tools for aspiring young leaders. What great wisdom and proverbs he, he left with us to, to think about. Uh, it's been a It's been just a tremendous time. I hope that he spoke into your life. I hope that you could uh, gather some nuggets of truth and, and that it helps you. Uh, Scott is a great example of someone who, who leads with his head and his heart and his heart and his head. He knows how to cross that line. He's done it all of his career and uh, his legacy uh, is, 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 represents that. His, his, his legacy demonstrates that. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed this Crossing the Line. Uh, it was a blast for me. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you for crossing the line in order to make a difference in the lives of others. We'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>